Hi there, welcome, welcome particularly if you're visiting today. I'm Patrick, the vicar here, and it's my privilege to be able to share with you. Now, Catherine very boldly and rightly announced that we're in a sermon series at the moment on Acts, and uh, it's a church on fire, and she rightly and boldly announced that the theme today uh, should be healing. I'm very, very sorry. I did read the script, but I've changed the theme. Um, It is about healing, um, I suppose healing of relationships and them doing signs and wonders, but I feel that um, we can preach on healing again sometime. Uh, Today, I'd like us um, just a slightly different way in, and um, I'm thinking of uh, pricelessness, things that are priceless. I'm going to have a question for you in a few moments, which you might share with others if you felt like it, no pressure at all, but as I'm praying, maybe you have a thought about what you consider to be priceless. But I thank you um, so much uh, for us being able to meet together and worship you, that's priceless. I thank you for each other, a priceless gift from you. And I pray, Lord, as um, we look at your word together, Lord, that you teach us, um, that maybe you just reveal things in a different way that would impact our lives in a transformative way, uh, that we might um, more actively uh, and appropriately um, be your good news to others. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to put this in a safe place. I think it's the Bible reading. It's flying around a little bit. Um, So, uh, priceless. Have a think, and even if you're, you, if you're not got anyone near you, but what would you consider to be priceless? Have a chat with each other. There's probably some obvious ones that I've got in my sermon, so I'm just giving you a chance. Anyone think of anything that maybe is not so obvious that you consider to be priceless? You can shout it out. Potato peeler here. Well, I've never thought of that. <laughs> someone, someone operating the potato peeler would be quite a gift. Yeah, anyone else? Faith. So, you've got good company. There was a young lad of eight that said that. That's priceless. That was at the earlier say. Anyone else? Life in itself, yeah. The birth of a child. It is, isn't it? Anyone else? Friendship here. Someone at the back. Love given and received. That's in my script. You've been looking at my notes. <laughs> so, anyone else? You know, you're so much more chatty than the people at the, 11, uh, at the 9.30 service. Should I get on with the sermon? Okay. Uh, there's a bit of fluff to start off with, but you have to bear with me. It'll, I do the fluff so it sticks in our heads. So that's the purpose. Um, um, anyway, can we show the next slide? This was an advertising campaign called Priceless. Does anyone remember this advertising campaign for MasterCard? And you might not be able to read it, but it says there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there is 
Mastercard. How dare anyone say that? But it turned the business round, didn't it? And have we got any people that like shopping around here? You wouldn't admit to this, but do you go into shops uh, where, um, you might be a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but where there are no labels on, on the products in there? And the people might say to you behind the counter, if you need to ask, you can't afford it. Yep, got there. Okay, this is a little bit sad. Antiques Roadshow. Um, some of you might watch it. I've watched it from time to time. But uh, the thing about the Antiques Roadshow, you see a lot of people going on there with their sort of precious things, don't you? And uh, this is a family heirloom and everything. And, and we never possibly sell this at all. But they're all very interested to know how much it's worth, aren't they? For things that you shouldn't really be able to put a value on. Uh, I noticed one golfer here. Hi, Kim. Uh, <laughs> so uh, tell us about uh, the Saudi Breakaway League, LIV. What are they doing it for, these golfers? Is it the love of golf? They're doing it for the love of money, shed loads of money, millions and billions of money. The golf opens going on at the moment, if anyone's interested at all. Um, uh, how about, um, sorry, this is not really a sermon, it's just a bit of fun. Um, the, um, what about fist-pumping presidents and princes? Anyone see that yesterday? World Trade, a few weeks ago, the president of USA was not on anything to do with the Saudi Arabia at all, and there they are on my BBC app yesterday. Fist pumping. Maybe we'll have some high fives soon. I wonder what is on some of their hands. And in terms of um, things being um, priceless, um, no one said, actually, their husband or their wife been priceless that they did at the earlier service. But would you, bear, would you buy the someone you loved some special jewels? And you can't love them enough unless you could afford um, some of these. The crown jewels are the nation's most precious treasures, comprising of more than 100 objects and over 23,000 gemstones. Priceless. Or are they? There are certain things that are priceless uh, on a hot day. Water in a desert. Um, maybe a view. Um, some of you probably quite recklessly have come out this morning and left some windows open. But what if, and some of you will experience this, someone goes in and steals something that's not worth very much financially but was an absolute treasure to you, a gift from a loved one, or a photo, or something like that. Those things, those memories are priceless. People are priceless. Love is priceless, and you know the song, money can't buy you love. Salvation is priceless. God so loved the world that he gave his whole self so that we could be reconciled with him. The Holy Spirit, as we're going to find out a little bit later in the sermon, you can't put a financial figure on that. It's a gift of God, a gift of grace. Today, we're journeying with Philip. Um, 
who valued Jesus and his priceless message more than his own safety. His qualification was he's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. His job was to wait on tables and feed widows so that the apostles could preach the word of God. Philip and Stephen and five other deacons um, went on to do astonishing things. They started waiting on tables. And I'm quite surprised to read what they did uh, within a very short period of time. Stephen gave a remarkable speech um, as he was stoned to death. And as a result of this stoning and other persecution, the church was scattered. Pre-conversion, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, was there looking after their coats uh, and went after Christians with murderous threats. Um, I don't know if anyone here is exploring Christianity and you're breathing out murderous threats, (laughs) but there's hope for you too. The church scattered, the gospel spread, the church was on fire. People tried to put out this fire uh, through persecution, but their gospel proclamation and the Spirit's power, it just fanned the flames for the gospel to be spread. After they killed Stephen, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Uh, Saul uh, leads the charge, as I've said. Uh, The apostles uh, stayed in Jerusalem for a while while the rest of them got scattered. And humble Philip, who was just there to do ordinary stuff and wait on tables, all of a sudden um, he's in Samaria not waiting on tables, but now preaching and doing miracles and baptizing new believers. Um, Samaria is mentioned in the Old Testament. Some of you will know that Samaria was mentioned in the New Testament too, and Jesus raised more than eyebrows when he went and ministered to people in Samaria. The woman at the well, where he knew everything about her, uh, healing ten lepers, which one came back and said thank you? It was the Samaritan that said thank you. Jesus pushing and breaking boundaries but this was new stuff for the church Jesus before he left he says you're going to go out and to preach preach the gospel and the gospel you're going to get the Holy Spirit it's going to start in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the world already because of persecution the gospel is going to Samaria and to Samaritans and they hated each other I talk about healing daring to take the gospel to someone who doesn't like you, or worse, and vice versa. And this was so ingrained. Uh, You can even go to sort of communities in our country or the United Kingdom and different places around the world. People don't forget this stuff. We pass hate down from one generation to another. Matthew 28, in Jesus' great commission, he commands his disciples to go to all nations, without exception to make disciples of Jesus Christ and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the words, um, the final words of the resurrected Jesus in Acts 1, and I've alluded to this already, verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit goes on, comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There's going to be a ripple effect. Maybe not as they imagined, Uh, it's nice to be scattered in a nice way, isn't it? And we all like going on a holiday, don't we? This was no holiday. This was quite scary stuff. 
And as they were preaching, there was a notable person, a, a sorcerer who had this massive following, and he sees people hearing the gospel message and responding and being baptized. He thought, well, I'll have some of that as well. But he didn't have everything um, that the others had. This was a shallow declaration of faith. The apostles in Jerusalem, Peter and John, heard what was going on in Samaria with this humble person, deacon, Philip, spreading the message. And we thought, we'll go and investigate and work out what's going on. I'm not sure what they must have thought. We're the super apostles. We appointed him just to serve the tables. And all of a sudden, people are coming to faith. But they went. And this is quite complicated and confusing. And I've got an easy answer for this. But they noticed when they came uh, that they'd received um, Jesus in one way, they'd been baptised into the name of Jesus, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now, folks have got all sorts of um, theories about this. I just want to put it out there. I don't believe you can be a Christian without the Holy Spirit, born from above. I do believe that we can encounter God and his Spirit in different ways, and it's a lifelong journey. In this instance, it looks like it's a one-off. It's the early church. Peter had preached in Acts 2 and folks had come to faith and received the Holy Spirit. This is soon after that. I don't really understand what's going on here, but do know this, that if you're a Christian, uh, I think you have the Holy Spirit, but we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because we don't do the things of God without the power of God. And Some of the things of God that we're called to are a little bit scary from time to time. Anyway, Simon sees what's going on, laying on of hands, Again, not formulaic, but the church throughout the ages has laid hands on people from time to time. That's one way at confirmation that bishops try and impart the Holy Spirit to those who receive. It's the same here, but we receive the Holy Spirit in other ways. I didn't receive the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands, and probably a few of you haven't, but sure enough, I've received the Holy Spirit. And again, and again, and again, as he empowers and refreshes us. But Simon sees what's going on here. Well, I'll have some of that. And uh, waving, I've probably got a slide, <laughs> is what of cash. Um, he wants to buy this priceless gift that can't be bought. Can you imagine going to God and saying, well, how much does it cost for my salvation? But Christians have done that with indulgences, I suppose, a works-based thing. How much do I need to pay you, God, for you to love me? I think in this situation, it feels like Simon had been used to a bit of a following. I'm going to have some of that. How cool would that be? And there's Christian ministers like this. We've been to the meetings, some of us, who it's all about them. And when they're praying for folks and remarkable things happen... And maybe it looks them good, makes them look good rather than God. Anyway, Simon got a very serious rebuke. And may your money perish with you. How dare you think you could buy the gift of God? I hadn't come across this word, but has anyone heard of the word simony? Yeah? Barbara, give me a definition. Paying for spiritual things, like in it, yeah. So, did you? Everyone know? Everyone knew that probably. Simon, 
They, they thought they could buy spirit, you can buy spiritual powers. Well, you can't. So we put that there, but he thought you could, and he was amazed by what was going on. Anyway, moving swiftly on, I've got three quick points to make in a few moments. But before I, I make them, um, we just need to remember that money can't buy us the gifts of God. Money can't buy us love or happiness or salvation or the power of the Holy Spirit. So three points. God's call to receive, God's call to grow, and God's call to share. God's call to receive. And um, I suppose the big call is, is relationship and encounter. And at one level it's free. The trade in this deal isn't cash. It's us giving our whole selves to God in humility. That can bring healing, certainly reconciliation with God, but hopefully also reconciliation with others. And spiritually, it brings healing because we who were lost and orphaned are found and included and loved. It brings salvation. We receive salvation and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and we need that Him, so that we can be effective disciples. In this instance, it came with a laying on of hands. As I've said, it's not a formula. It's a gift of grace. So, my challenge to me and to us, it's quite simple. You don't have to do very much. You will need a little bit of faith, but it's for all of us this morning to humbly open ourselves to God and to receive everything that he wants to give us. And I suppose a lavish, overflowing love and acceptance for starters. Secondly, God's call to grow. Um, I might have had this said to me when I was a child, it's not very nice, but grow up, won't you? And um, it, in a sense, this is probably what Simon um, needed. He'd probably given lip service to salvation, but nothing much must have changed in the inside if he thought, it, we've heard about cash for questions and cash for honours, but cash for gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's no deal on that one, I'm afraid. We need to offer ministry that's authentically superior. It might be tested through trial and persecution. This morning, um, I looked up what um, some of the qualities of a deacon should be, and these are people that are called to serve. So if I could dare to point this to me and to all of us that call ourselves Christians, I think the same principles apply. It's the foundation of many a ministry and with that foundation, Philip went on to do extraordinary things. He was prepared to do things in, I suppose, relative obscurity, but the Lord didn't keep him there. But they need to be people, we need to be people worthy of trust. Those who lead honest and respectable lives. Those of us who are not addicted to stuff, whether it be wine or other addictions. I chucked in work at the earlier service not greedy 
or corrupt, those of sound faith. Note to self, those that run our households well. It's a call to serve. And um, third point, call to share. It's a call to share even if it's costly. Um, I question, where do we consciously or unconsciously set the bar when it comes to sharing our faith? So in this instance, um, like you wouldn't have thought to have shared the gospel with Samaritans. Like, why on earth would you waste your time doing that? We don't like them anyway. But where do you set this barrier and bar given that the gospel is for everyone? Lord, forgive me of my prejudice. Sometimes unexpected things happen that look like a disaster and end up spreading the gospel like with a persecution. But we need to look no further than the supposed defeat which turned out to be the victory on the cross and Jesus' resurrection. Gospel is preached to all people so that they're saved. And just a couple of things to close. And the disciples never got too settled. They moved by the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And whilst Philip moved geographically, all of us are called to journey spiritually. It's a call in conclusion. Uh, to be transformed by Jesus and to share his transforming love.